This is a Woodside Church podcast. Well, good morning. Good morning to you. Wonderful to be together again. I am speaking today, so we're, we're crack on. Uh, we are doing part two of a series that Ensign Thomas, one of our leaders here, who also happens to be a consultant in the local hospital in his day job, uh, and he spoke on the first part of our series, which we've called God First, and he talked about first love, you may remember. I thought a beautiful way of setting the scene of our series. We wanted to make sure we got that if you like, that foundation stone in place, that everything flows out of our love of God and our understanding of his love for us. And that's like the, 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 the sort of uh, what we build upon on that understanding. And so we looked at, and Ensign did a great job. If you hadn't heard of it you, or heard it, you can listen to it on, on, on the download. So please encourage you to do that. So we looked at first love last week. Uh, this week, uh, we're looking at something which we've called first fruits. First fruits. Now, the phrase first fruits, some of you might be aware of, is, a, is actually an Old Testament phrase. It's, it stems from that the people of God were very much an agricultural society, and when they had their harvest, they gave the first fruits, the first part of their crop to God's work, and the rest they used for themselves. And so there was this priority built into what they were doing, and uh, we know the phrase of first fruits. I'll, I'll talk more about that later on, but I thought I'd better explain to you what the title is referring to. As you may, I don't know, you may think we're going to have a, some apple and pears or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you might think that might be. But um, we're looking at the topic, hold your applause, the topic of money. How did I get this one again? Yeah, I know, always, always, isn't it? So uh, we don't often look at this. Maybe, uh, maybe once in every 18 months, I think we. We, we, we look at different aspects of money. This time, we want to do it as part of the God First series. Uh, money is obviously a very necessary thing in our lives. Jesus spoke an awful lot about money, actually. Uh, it's said that he spoke, apart from the kingdom of God, he spoke about money more than anything else. So more than prayer, more than the Father, he talked about money. So it was, It's interesting uh, how, how much he mentioned it. He wasn't anti-money, but he knew how important it was for us to understand how money works in our lives so that we would not be ruled by it, so that we would not serve it, but to see it as something that came and comes from him and to find contentment, not in money itself, but obviously find contentment in God by putting God First, now I don't know about you, I often look at things in the Bible and I think, well, if I was editing the Bible, there are some things I'd take out. <laughs> do you ever do that? Only me? Come on, I don't believe you. Be thinking, well, do you, Jesus, do you really need to talk about money as much as you did? You know, we've, we've got the message. You know, it's always got that feel about it, if I'm honest. But the older I get, the more I appreciate that Jesus spent so much of his time explaining how money works because it's such an important part of our lives. So it's interesting. I, I, I appreciate it more 
the older I get, I'm not sure what that says about getting old, but certainly I'm so grateful for the wisdom that, that uh, Jesus imparts to us. And we'll get into some of that. But first we've got to put this into context because much as we always put, uh, we always look at what the Bible says, but we also apply it to what it speaks into our context. So let's just remind ourselves of some things which are, are, are relevant, I guess, to our context. I've just come up with five. You could come up with more five trends and patterns in today's world. The first would be this, a declining confidence and trust in the financial sector of our society. Do you remember, uh, it used to be that a bank manager was a little dull, but he was respectable, cautious, and a model of prudence. Do you remember those days? I mean, if you know David Devonish, uh, he used to be a bank manager. He's one of the leaders here. And I'm not saying he's a little dull, obviously, but he used to be a bank manager. Uh, and uh, I'm sure he was very prudent and actually had a very senior job in banking. But now, certainly over recent years, certainly since uh, the financial crisis, which was 12 years ago, if you're familiar with that, the reputation of, of the finance sector really hit a bit of a low point. And in many ways, perception has not changed. Uh, we hear things about vast bonuses. Uh, we hear... Uh, things about sophisticated, complex uh, ways of managing money and our confidence is not what it once was. Now, of course, we must understand that not everyone in the banking sector or the finance sector is um, uh, doing the wrong things and probably the vast majority are doing the right things. And we would need to say that we need good Christians in those contexts, in those industries, uh, to bring kingdom values into that sector. But what we do know is that I would say our confidence in that whole area is not what it once was. And that can affect actually how we view money. You know, we may choose to spend more rather than save more because we're not quite sure what's happening over here. We may not save for our pension because we hear that pensions have dropped and so we're spending anyway, live today, today type of thing. And so confidence in the whole financial world has an impact. Secondly, I could say this, we are becoming or have become almost a cashless or a moneyless society. That is, we don't use, you know, that paper stuff and those coins as much as we used to. With our debit cards, we all know, we probably most of us do this, you know, we can just, you know, wave your money goodbye as you, as you yeah, you've done that, have you? I love doing that. I love it. You know, it, when I go shopping with Dawn, Dawn will we'll predominantly buy, no, this sounds negative, buy more stuff than me, I was going to say. That wasn't meant to sound like that. But when it comes to paying for it, I will leap into action. I've got it covered, you know, I'll, be, I'll pay for that. And it's like, it's like a, do you know, is it, not you? Is it just me? No? I love the moment. It makes me feel technically superior. I've no idea how it's all working, mind you. I feel um, financially generous. I don't know, I just feel all sorts of things. The best one for me is not only your cards, your phones, and I have one of these watches, and see, with, with your watch, when I go down to London on the tube station, uh, I can pay for my, for my tube just with my watch. So, so I'm walking along, and I'm just... And that's it, you know, and, and I'm through. And it's just, it's so easy, isn't it? 
it's almost like we're not really spending money. Yeah? I've looked forward to this, can you tell? <laughs> Easy credit. Easy credit. Now, if you're trying to get a mortgage... Uh, uh, and trying to buy a house, first time buy a ticket, that's not easy at all, I appreciate. But in terms of consumer credit, that just keeps on increasing. I, I read in my preparation uh, that the average debt, the average household debt is now £7,000. Uh, if you add student loans, it's an awful lot more, actually. So that's without factoring student loans. It's, uh, it's now at 7,000. And it just increases. Uh, more people are struggling uh, and more people are not paying off credit cards, uh, bank loans, other lenders. is contributing to a massive credit and debt problem in our world. Next, I would say this. Pervasive and invasive advertising. Pervasive and invasive advertising. So when you shop online, as many of us would, uh, what you are buying and what you are doing is being tracked all the time. Uh, some, would, some would be far more uh, familiar with these things than me, but Google Analytics is, is a way that Google's built into their system that they can, they can track what we're doing. I'm told you they can even track where you're hovering your mouse. I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, but certainly, you know, when you go onto every website and it says, do you want to click the, the, you know, the cookie? Or well, once you click yes, which I do every time, you know, maybe I shouldn't. But they, you know, they, I know, see, someone who knows what they're talking about. Uh, then, then they're tracking you. And in fact, it was on Friday, I looked on a website, which I bought some things from. And then I got an email yesterday, which I didn't buy anything on Friday from that website. And I got an email from them yesterday saying, did you see anything that you liked? They know I went to their website. You know this is going on, right? This is why I'm glad Jesus taught so much about money. He knew. He knew. Let me introduce a friend to you. This is a friend of mine. <laughs> Do you know who that is? It's the cookie monster. Now, maybe not all of you are familiar with, with the cookie monster. If you know the Muppets... Well, the Muppets had, a, had a, a show alongside it in the States called Sesame Street. And the Cookie Monster uh, is just a fantastic character. And he loves cookies. Biscuits. Loves cookies. Well, he has... You can leave that up there, actually. He has a sort of a, a, an evil twin brother called the Moor Monster. And the Moor Monster... I don't know if you've... I've never seen him. Or maybe her... But I've heard him, heard him often tell me the things I need to buy, the things that will bring me happiness. The more monster says things like this, you know, debt is expected, everyone's in debt. He'd probably say today, do you know you're below average for debt? 7,000 is the average debt for the average household. So there's, you know, there's plenty of scope here. He'd be saying a little more money will solve my problems. Little more things will solve my need. And although we wouldn't articulate those values, that's what's often going on with the more monster. And, and in fact, 
The way the Bible describes the more monster doesn't use a nice, cuddly, the more monster sounds a bit friendly, doesn't it? It actually talks about idolatry. It talks about when money becomes a god. And one of the things that Jesus spoke about is he said, he said that he described God as mammon, and that was describing money as a god, and uh, really is insightful. So we have a, a challenge in our, uh, in our context whether it's lack of confidence in the financial banking sector, if it's cash to society, if it's easy access to credit, if it's the pervasive and invasive advertising or the more monster, all these things create a challenge for us and probably other things as well. And if we're not careful, we become unthinking in our buying. It all just becomes something that we, we, get, we flow with. And before we know it, an email's come through, is there anything you liked? And I didn't want something, and maybe you buy it. So, the challenge is to be thinking in an environment that encourages us to be unthinking about money. And the great thing is, is we have so much wisdom from God on this topic. So let's just move on. That's the context we live in. Well, what about the wisdom of God? How can God's wisdom help us in this? Well, the first thing I would say would be this. Jesus said this phrase, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. In Luke 16, he said, you cannot. Jesus says it's impossible, even if you try really hard. I think I've probably tried really hard to to serve both. What that means is, it means we have to decide who's going to be number one in our life. That's what it means. Is it put God first or is, it, is there a, a pull towards money? God knows we need these things, knows they're important, but where are we and what are we making number one in our life? Because Jesus says it's, it's, he's not saying it's difficult to serve God and money. He's saying it's impossible to serve both God and money. Secondly, Jesus said these words, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, where your money is, that's where your heart will be. And I've seen this played out in my life countless times. Uh, Once positively, hopefully more than once positively, once positively when I, I wanted to learn to play the guitar, acoustic guitar, and I knew if I bought a decent guitar, and, and, and it would help me to make it a priority in my life. I, just, I didn't read this verse and think, ah, I need to put my treasure. You know, I just thought, actually, I, I want to learn a guitar. So I bought myself an you know, electroacoustic guitar. It's very nice. And I used it for, for years in the church we used to be in, in St. Nitz. And, uh, and so that was very positive. Come up to date, a few years ago, I bought myself uh, a new car. And uh, the car I had before was quite old. Uh, I'd, actually, I'd, I'd actually, I was going to say I reversed into a wall. I actually forgot to put my handbrake on and my car went into a wall once on my old car. And I never got it repaired. You know, I didn't, there wasn't, my heart wasn't in it. Do you know? But then I bought myself a newer car, a new car to me. And... A few weeks later, Dawn and I went 
for, for, for a week's holiday in Cornwall. Have you ever driven down Cornwall lanes? It all gets all a bit tight. Now, now Dawn, it's an important point here, Dawn was navigating, OK? Uh, and, OK, thank you. And, and so Dawn said, no, you can go down that one there. And we turned down this, and not only did the, did the road get narrow, which meant the bushes came tight on your car, you could actually, they, there was, there was uh, grass growing in the middle of the, the road because cars never went down this road, you know, it was so unused. And all I remember is driving my new car and hearing scratching noises from all those bushes, if you've seen them in Cornwall. And I was in such a grumpy mood, you would not believe. Maybe you would believe. See, where your treasure is, your heart is. So I was just outworking a principle that Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Next we can say about the wisdom of God is this. We are stewards. We are stewards of what we have. It's not actually ours. It's ours to be a steward of, to look after and use faithfully. We're stewarding it, stewarding it for someone else. There's many verses in the New Testament that talk about how we are stewards of, of, of what God provides. This is just one. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The parable of the talents, if you're familiar with that, is all about, about being given and being asked to steward uh, actually amounts of, of, of wealth, amounts of money. It's different talents, amounts of money, whether it's one, five, or ten talents. It's all about stewardship. And I guess this takes me to my next point in the wisdom of God to sum it up is, is this. It all belongs to him. All the money we have, all the possessions we have, all the talents we have that we, I trust, supply faithfully and are rewarded then financially through careers or through life choices or through investments or whatever it might be, all of that is something that belongs to him because it's all been given to us from him. And you see, a steward has to think not just of what he wants or she wants, a steward has to think about what his master's desires and wishes are. And so we're to take whatever God's blessed us with and we're to steward it. We're to steward it. And so we need to think. I guess that's my appeal today. Is we live in a world that, that is going at such a pace and with so many moments that... It encourages us not to think. And so we need to think. We need to ask how, uh, have you worked out some biblical wisdom for how you deal with money? How have you checked that recently? Have you worked out how much you want to give to the local church? Have you worked out what principles you use to govern how you handle money? We must. Jesus is saying, I want you to think. I want you to think. You see, there's, there's only a few things you can do with money. You can earn it, you can spend it, you can save it, you can give it, or you can owe it. Actually, there is another, you can steal it as well, but that's probably... So you can earn it, spend it, save it, give it, owe it, steal it. Context, some of God's wisdom 
Let's get, some, let's get practical, shall we? Let's get practical. Let's, let's, so how do we work this out? Bearing in mind that our circumstances are all so, so different in this room. So, so different. And that makes a difference. So this isn't like a one shape fits all. Can't be. Can't be. Because our, our scenarios, our stories, our predicaments, our circumstances are so different. So different. As I look around this room, and I know bits and pieces, I clearly don't know all the stories. I think, how, how do we draw this together and have some principles that are both biblical but also serve us all well? So... Let's look at these. The first would be this. The first thing we do is we give. We give the first fruits to God. As I mentioned before, the the principle uh, that we see in Old Testament that flows through the New is this principle given the first fruits. Agricultural system, they would literally take their crops, they would actually take uh, a 10% of their crops and they would give it to God. In practical terms, what this means is we work out the principle that you're going to give by, and then we do that. That's the first thing we do. So you work out how much, you work out the principle, how you arrive at that figure, and then that's the first thing you do. And that's like the baseline. That's, that's anything else you want to do on top of that, you can and that's encouraged in Scripture as well. We're, we're encouraged to have tithes, which is the regular giving, and offerings in addition to that. But you work out what your regular baseline is, and you give that to the local expression of God's work. And that's the local church. That's what we would believe. You work out your baseline, you work out what you give regularly, and you give that to the local expression of God's work. See, often what happens is we confine ourselves spending each week, each month, however we receive our money, we spend, we might save a little, and then we see what's left, and then we give that from then. But actually what the Bible suggests is we work out how much we want to give, we give that first, we save an amount, and then we live off the rest. Some would say, I know many use this principle, they, they give 10%, They save 10% and they live off the rest. That's not a bad principle. Secondly, really importantly, we give out of what you have, not out of what you do not have. Give out of what you have, not out of what you do not have. In other words, if you're struggling with debt, if you're struggling with balancing your budget, then actually the action for you today is we want to try and help you to work through the challenge of debt that you're experiencing and help you to budget. Because what we are not preaching is that there's one thing here that fits all. Do you understand? And we don't want people giving out of what they do not have. That just, just, just magnifies the challenge of debt that you may be facing. Still with me? Yeah. <laughs> Next, you get to give, not give to get. You get to give, not give to get. Or you receive to give, not give to receive. There is a, a, a strain of teaching 
Some are called prosperity teaching, which suggests the more you give, the more you financially will receive. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. In fact, some people would say, they, they say, as, as the offering goes by, you put your money in and you wave and you say, see you later. Because the implication is, it's late, the implication is going to come back to you. Now, I've known times when God has blessed Dawn and I financially, and I know God honours faithfulness. So I'm not saying he doesn't do that. He does do that. But actually, you don't give in order to get, because that's not really giving anyway, is it? That's coming from a completely wrong heart. I'm going to give because God's going to bless me. Hang on a minute. That's, that, that's a whole load of things there which we would not agree with. So we get, we receive in order that we get. God blesses us financially in order that we can be generous. Fifthly, I can tell you're listening really hard. It's quite interesting. Give proportionally and be generous. I would say that if there was any principle that I found most helpful and that we would regularly teach here is about giving proportionally. So 10% of a large salary is a smaller sacrifice than 10% of a small one. Give proportionally. One of the most wonderful stories of money is what some of us would know as the widow's mite. And that's when a very poor lady who was a widow gave very generously from what she had. She didn't give much in amount, but in terms of what she had, she gave incredibly, sacrificially and generously, whilst there was someone else alongside giving his pots of, of money. And Jesus was unimpressed with that, but very impressed with the generosity of this woman. I've mentioned a few times 10%, haven't I? Have you noticed? I just want to... We don't often teach on this. How much time have I got? Okay. Um, yeah, we're doing all right. Let, I just want to talk about the, the tithe. If you're not familiar with in the Old Testament, I just want to explain this because there's lots of misunderstanding on all sorts of ways on this. So in the Old Testament, it was very clear that you were to bring a tithe, which was 10% of your crops... Of, 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 of your wares and that was the rule and you were encouraged to bring the whole tithe to the storehouse the whole tithe to, to what God wanted but we don't live by the rule by the law do we? we live by grace so there's been something significant that has changed in the way that we approach not just money but all things but interestingly in Matthew 23 Jesus said these words to the the leaders of the day, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, he said this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, you should continue paying a tenth, a tithe, but also you should be concerned about justice and mercy and faithfulness. So that's interesting, isn't it? I'm, I'm confused now. I thought it wasn't about the law. I thought it was all about grace. And it still is. Because what happens with grace is grace changes our hearts. 
First thing grace does is say that actually we don't, we don't have a, a, a rule. We don't have a, a, a line that we have to live up to in everything that we do. How we handle our money, how we live our lives, the decisions we make, our, our righteousness before God. None of that is to do with actions that we make. All of it is to do with the action and the life of Jesus. That, that's, that's, is, nod your head, please. I mean, you're looking very concerned in the room. Okay, so, so grace has, has freed us from the law. Amen? But what grace does do is it changes our hearts. And so actually, when our hearts are changed, we may choose, choice, we may choose to allow God's grace to change our hearts and how we handle our finances. And so actually, the outworking may be even more than 10%, because it's all his anyway. And so we would never teach here, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, because that's not grace. But we would teach that grace changes our heart. And my prayer is, is that the grace of God supersedes what the law could ever do. Otherwise, we get into a, thank the Lord for, for grace. It's my, 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 what's that? Get out of jail free card. Phew. If we do that in any of, of Christian life, we've totally misunderstanded grace. Grace does something in here. But it has to be from here. And the New Testament talks about, about the grace of giving and talks about a generous heart and talks about an outflowing. It's all in here. And so that's, that's where you focus. You say, Lord, just... Help me in all this. Help me in all this. I'd also say that I'm running out of time. I'm going to keep going. It's going to be an interesting moment. I'm going to keep going. I would say, parents, please teach your children this. Please teach your children this. I used to love sitting my girls on my knee as I was on the computer and we were changing the standing order to the church because I would talk to them why we were doing this. i say, you know, daddy gets paid money and mummy gets paid money. Okay. Well, we take some of that and we use it. And, and I used to show them the amount. And you say, why are you doing that? And then we used to have a game of, of how high should we put it, you know, and don't tell your mother and all those things, you know. And, and, but I used to, I, I genuinely used to say, when we do this, we're paying for your youth leader. Or we're helping pay for the kids worker. Or we're helping to pay for the work we do in the community. This, this is helping to do this and this and this and this. I was telling myself as well as telling my children. This is what it's for. This is actually, this is what treasure in heaven means, which Jesus also said. Where else do we want our treasure to be going in long lasting for eternity? In fact, this did backfire a little bit because when Esther, uh, our eldest, um, got a mobile phone. She would go to New Day or a leaders' conference or something, and there would be this giving appeal. And then it would say, if you text this number, you can give ten pounds, twenty pounds, fifty pounds, whatever. So she'd text away, and she'd be there because her dad had taught her. But guess who was paying for the mobile phone bill? <laughs> That'd teach me, eh? <laughs> Lastly, on this section. We have a pledge day in March. Hey. Uh, details and dates will follow. We're going to have a family meeting just beforehand as well so we can give you more de- details. I want to appeal to you, let's go on a faith journey together. You know, if you're struggling with whether it's 
you know, the, the, this tussle between uh, making money or God the number one, then come on a faith journey with us. Uh, we are facing some challenges, there's no doubt about it. We can tell more details, I've referred to it before. But we are facing some challenges. We expand uh, as we launch the second site, and that stretched us right across. There's some real things we need to do. Uh, but I almost want to, you know, I, I, we, we'll talk about that when, when we come to that. Uh, but actually, I, I, want, I want us to arrive somewhere almost without that. Uh, from a place of, Lord, it's all yours anyway. Okay, some next steps for us, just to finish on. The first is to think about your finances. Each of us to think. For some, it would be, actually, I'm struggling. Uh, I'm struggling with debt. I'm struggling to make ends meet. Uh, and I need help. I need support. Please, please, please ask if that's your scenario. We have people who would happily sit down with you. We regularly do this. It's part of what being church is. So please uh, come and speak to myself or, or one of the other leaders. We'd love to serve you on that. So that would be the first one. Uh, secondly, if you've never given regularly, start. Just start. That's a good, it's a good way to move your heart to, further towards God. Because that's what Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is. For others, maybe you've been given for many. Well, pray about how much. Pray about how much. What, what, what is grace doing in your heart? What, what's the outworking of what you would feel God would have you do. Let's look to God's wisdom. Let's work this out practically. Let's live it out. And to finish with my last slide, a good model for Christian attitude towards money. I found this off the Willow Creek website, so it must be true in the States. Uh, Christians are to be diligent earners, prudent consumers, thoughtful, prudent consumers, wives savers, generous givers, and cautious debtors. And all God's people said Amen. Let's stand together and pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that all that we have, not just our finances, but all that we have, and we have so much, whether it's family, whether it's provisions in homes, whether it's jobs, even in one another, you've provided it all, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are a generous God. And Lord, I pray you would help us as we go through this series of putting you first. Help us to apply that to this important area. Lord Jesus, I thank you that, that you explain so much about how money works. And we need this in our society. Lord, I need this. I need to be reminded of this because I'm too easily taken along the wave of, of uh, what everything is said about money around me. Lord, uh, help us in this uh, to submit this to you for your glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.